Welcome into the Busting Brackets podcast. It's our second ever podcast. Still getting new to this, but we're getting it figured out, and we're here to talk some good college basketball again tonight. Focusing a bit on the Big Ten, but first we want to touch on all the storylines and, and big games from the from the past week. We got some good guests on with us today. You guys, will go around and introduce yourselves. Um, I'm Adam Childs. I uh, write about the Big Ten for Busting Brackets, along with some other stuff. I do winners and losers each week, and uh, I rank some of the conferences. You know, every couple weeks too. I'm I'm Austin Walter. Uh, I also write for the Big Ten. I put out uh, Big Ten power rankings uh, every other week right now, but it'll probably be every week coming up now. And I focus a lot on uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. And I'm Connor Hope, Brian's co-host for this podcast. So it's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk about some of the major upsets that happened this week, as well as uh, get into some of the Big Ten talk. So I just wanted to touch on Duke for a second. Duke really showed two sides uh, this week. I know they were injured and shorthanded against Syracuse, but they have a home loss against Syracuse, which is not going to look good on a resume. But then they kind of turned it around and, and beat a Virginia team at home that many people thought was the number one team in the nation. Um, did, I, did either or any of you guys get to see either of those games? I, I, I saw both and uh... I wouldn't judge Duke necessarily on that loss to Syracuse as much. Um, going in with a with a full complement of players and then losing Cam Reddish hours before the game. Uh, he was sick, had the flu. Played first couple minutes of the game, didn't really play after that. And then Trey Jones, who going and, and getting hurt, um, really hurt their game plan and kind of the way they were playing, and Syracuse capitalized on it. I, I was impressed to see the way they played defense against Virginia in the second game because once Trey Jones went out against Syracuse, Duke's defense just fell apart, and their offense kind of kind of broke down, but their defense was a more alarming thing to me. Then even without him against Virginia, I know Virginia doesn't play the, the fastest pace but still have one of the most efficient offenses in the country, and they really limited them as well. I think held them to 25 or 26% from three. Um, so I wouldn't hold – I don't hold too much weight uh, to that Syracuse loss. I think that was just a, a blip that was caused by them having a lot of injuries in that game. Um, and even shorthanded to come back and beat a team like Virginia. We all know they're Duke super talented, but I think that showed kind of just how talented that group is. I think, you know, when you, when you watch the Syracuse game, like, like Brian said, you know, when they're, when they're not ready to, or they're, they have their full complement of players and then they're not, expecting to lose players in the middle of the game and then you're dealing with the zone on top of it um i think it was just a perfect storm for them to lose at home against syracuse but i thought they did a great job coming back on the weekend you know beating virginia i don't think anybody would predict them to win that game um especially without jones but um they showed a lot to me because you know i thought maybe you know people were starting to figure them out a little bit but they did a good job yeah i think you got to give a lot of credit to jim Beheim too uh it's seems like something he always does um he gets a there's a couple of weird losses that Syracuse has and then they come out and beat Duke and it's kind of like what they do in the tournament they get like a 9 10 or 11 seed and next thing you know and they're in the lead eight and Jim Beheim has been coaching a lot at Syracuse so I think it was just um him being familiar with Duke and I um think he was ready um uh, to play Duke. 
Yeah, for me, it was just one of those things where even against Virginia, I mean, Virginia missed shots from deep that they normally don't miss. Um, I'm just I'm concerned about I know they say it's not a serious injury or an injury that's as serious as previously thought, but can Duke win six games in a row in the tournament with R.J. Barrett as their primary point guard? I, I don't know if they can. I know they did well against Virginia, but against, uh, you know, a team that might run on them a little bit more and wear them down a little bit more in terms of just running up and down the court, like a Gonzaga, for example. Um, is there another point guard behind RJ Barrett that they can utilize? Cause it doesn't seem like coach K is that confident with his backup no, points. They have, yeah, they have Jordan, Jordan Goldwire behind him, but he's not someone who's going to play more than five or 10 minutes a game at most. Um, the good news I will say about Trey Jones' injury is even if he doesn't come back as soon as they think he will, uh, he could miss another month and still have a couple of weeks to kind of gear up before the tournament starts. So I think Duke's going to be fine for the tournament um, unless something else pops up along the way. Um, to answer the question directly, I don't think they can win six games with R.J. Barrett as their point guard because I don't think they have enough enough depth and I don't think they'll be consistent enough defensively, but I, I don't have any concerns about Trey Jones being able to come back from this specific injury uh, with plenty of time beforehand. Adam, what do you think? Um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough. Like we said, the depth, I think it, you know, it, it just comes back to matchups. I think there's going to be some teams that, like you said, Gonzaga may not match up or matches up pretty well with them. Um, you know, it's just going to – it depends on who they play. I mean, they, they could get a really good draw and start breezing through, and it won't seem to affect them as much, and then they don't have to count on it as much. But um, if they get a bad draw or they get stuck, you know, um, with some good defensive teams or some teams that are really going to make them play in the offensive side of, or, you know, the half-court uh, offense, you know, they might be in trouble. Yeah. Well, one thing that Syracuse loss did cause is it opened up the opportunity for – someone else to come in and claim the number one spot. Tennessee ended up doing it. They they tried really hard to lose Alabama and, and cost their shot at that, but they pulled that game out. They enter this week as number one now. Um, they have a, a bit of a week schedule coming up, uh, but Austin, do you think Tennessee uh, is going to be able to hold on to that number one spot for a, a decent amount of time? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I think that <clears> – <throat> They're going to trip up somewhere in the SEC. Uh, I was looking at the SEC as uh, there aren't a lot of, like, really good teams, but there, there really isn't, like, a really bad team in the SEC. I mean, Texas A&M is struggling a little bit. and um, You thought Syracuse – or uh, South Carolina was going to struggle a little bit, but they rattled off a couple good wins in a row. So, I, I don't think um, that – Tennessee is going to be able to uh, keep it. Um, but I am looking at their schedule, and they have at Vanderbilt and then South Carolina and at Texas A&M. So it's a little favorable for them, but uh, it nothing will surprise me on the road in the SEC. Yeah, Virginia seemed to be in prime position to kind of take that spot if they could beat Duke, especially being the, the last undefeated team in the country kind of playing hours after Michigan played. Um, what do you guys think about Virginia still? Do you guys still think Virginia is one of the country's best teams, or do you think they got a little bit exposed against Duke, a team who's a bit more athletic? Connor, what do you think? For me, I think that there's really six teams that are separating themselves from the rest of the country, uh, and I think Virginia's in that six. Now, whether they're in the top two or three teams or they, they're just in that six – is yet to be seen. I think that on a neutral floor, uh, they probably would have beat Duke 
but we can't make that assumption, obviously. Uh, so I think that hanging with Duke for as long as they did, even though Duke was without Trey Jones, I think showed that they belonged in that top six conversation. But I think that we'll we'll have to see them play a little bit more in the ACC to determine if they're they're really a top three team or if they're more in the four to six range. Yeah. Well, we'll get their rematch against Duke in a couple of weeks in Charlottesville, and I think we'll have a lot more clarity then. Um, Duke should be healthy by then, so I think we'll have a lot more clarity with Virginia then. Uh, in my opinion, I agree with you. I think there are probably six, uh, maybe seven, if you want to throw Kentucky in there now with how they're playing, but that can be determined. But there are definitely, I think, six teams that have separated themselves. Two of those teams are Michigan and Michigan State, for sure. I think those two are, are playing at a, at a really high level. Um and I think have clearly separated themselves as the top two teams in the Big Ten. Which team do you guys think is better? Because I've gone back and forth this year as to whether I thought Michigan and Michigan State was going to the Big Ten. Adam, we'll start with you. Um, personally, I think right now, I think Michigan's a little bit better. Um, they they play great defense, and I think that's what separates them right now. I know Michigan State is, is pretty good, and they're playing at a really high level offensively. Um, but Michigan lately has seemed to, to kind of uh, find a way to shut them down. Um, you know, last year when, when Michigan decided to play better defense, you know, they, they beat Michigan State on, on the road and they beat them in the Big Ten tournament. I know these are two separate different teams, and I know, you know, with Winston playing well right now and Ward a, a year older, you know, Michigan State's a little bit better. But um, there's just something different about Michigan this year, and I think with Beeline as their coach, you know, he gets them playing better as they get going. But right now I think I'm, I'm just a little bit – more impressed with Michigan, but I think right now they could easily split them. And I think, you know, you could flip a coin. Austin, what do you think? And are you concerned about Michigan's loss to Wisconsin at all? Uh, no, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, that was just, um, I mean, following Wisconsin basketball almost my uh, entire life, I had a gut feeling, not because I'm a Badger fan, but just I had a gut feeling that the Badgers were going to be able to pull that one out and it was at the Cole center it probably would have been a lot different if it was in ann arbor i think michigan would have been able to pull it out but right now i like michigan state i think cassius winston is uh by far one of the best point guards in the country and it's crazy how they keep winning without uh joshua Langford, and then uh now kyle aarons is out Cassius Winston, obviously, as Austin was saying, one of the better guards in the in the in the country and in the conference for sure. And the way he's played without with Joshua Langford being out, keeping Michigan State playing at this high level, certainly kind of at that front of the Big Ten Player of the Year race. Do you think it's his? I know Ethan Happ's also having a really good year. Uh, is it kind of a two man race right now, or do you think someone else could potentially get in that conversation as well? I think right now it's probably a two man race. Um, I think Winston is definitely going to be uh, the front runner based on what he's done for a team that I think right now is probably maneuvered their way to be a favorite from this point moving forward. I know that Michigan is playing really good basketball, but I, I am a little weary of a team whose top player is a freshman, um, especially not a freshman of of like a Duke freshman caliber. You know, he 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 made a freshman mistake against Wisconsin and he's probably going to make more freshman mistakes. And I think that a team like Michigan state with their junior and senior kind of core uh, is going to be a, a solid uh, favorite to win the, the big 10. And I think that 
Winston probably as the leader of that team gets a nod. And I think honestly, Hap is the only other person, only other player that I could think of off the top of my head that would really be a, a another favorite because he does everything for Wisconsin. I mean, you've got other great players in the Big Ten. You've got James Palmer, but I think that right now it's between Hap and Winston. Yeah, I I think we could see Michigan get a third guy in that mix just because of how good they are. I I agree, it's it's a Winston Hap race, but I, Michigan is going to end up having somebody in that mix, probably finishing third. But if they end up continuing playing as well as we've seen them playing or think they're going to play. I think there's a third guy that gets in that mix. Uh, Adam, do you think Brozdakis is that guy, or is somebody like Jordan Poole or Xavier Simpson or Charles Matthews going to kind of take over that role down the stretch for Michigan? You know, Brozdakis got a lot of the headlines early because, you know, he was kind of flashy and scored a lot of points early, and uh, Poole got off to such a bad start. But honestly, as a, uh, you know, following Michigan, uh, Poole's their best player. You know, um, Matthews is streaky, Brozdakis is streaky, but Poole is just, he's, you know, he's a guy that can get to the rim, he can shoot from the outside. I mean, obviously Simpson's their leader and he's a great point guard, but he's not going to be in the in the the mix for a player of the year. So if any of them does out of, out of Michigan, it's Poole. Um, the other guy, though, that that might have a shot, you know, at, at jumping in there is is the Carson Edwards from Purdue. Um, if Purdue, you know, starts to make a run here at the end, I mean, he's averaging 24.6 points a game, leading the conference by five points. Um, you know, the only reason he won't is because Purdue's down in the middle of the Big Ten. But, if you know, if they start to win some games and get up there, he might get some votes. Um, but I would agree. It, it, it Right now, it looks like it's going to be between Happ and Winston. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Carson Edwards was, what, preseason favorite to a national player of the year or yeah. something like that. And people have kind of forgotten about him as Purdue struggled. But they're they're playing better of late. Um, they beat Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they beat him in overtime. They beat him in overtime in Wisconsin. And then they just, you know, beat IU at home um, pretty easily. So, I, I mean, IU's not playing well, but that's a big rival game. So. They're playing better. Yeah, Purdue is definitely one of those schools whose record speaks uh, more about or less about uh, how well they're played than actually watching them. I mean, their record's not that great, but their record doesn't really reflect how good they are as a team. They had a rough uh, non-conference schedule. I mean, all their loss, they haven't had really a bad loss. Um, so that, that's something to take advantage, you know, to consideration with their, with their, uh, their record. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Purdue's one of the I, I think there's a lot of teams kind of like Purdue in the Big Ten where after Michigan, Michigan State, I think there's a clear drop off between them and kind of teams three through ten, where there's probably eight or nine other teams, maybe even ten teams in the Big Ten that are all really good uh, and competing for tournament bids and have those kind of expectations. Teams like Nebraska, Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, the teams that are talented but aren't necessarily quite at that top to be able to really compete with the Michigan, Michigan states of the world. How would you stack those teams up against each other, Adam? Um, You know, after Michigan, Michigan state, um, I think Maryland is, you know, has been playing really well. Obviously they got, you know, they just got beat by Michigan state tonight, Um, but they're playing well. Um, Purdue's playing better. You know, Iowa is, is one of those, you know, Jekyll and Hyde teams. Like they play really well sometimes. And the other times they decide they don't want to play defense. Um, I thought Minnesota was playing better, but then they got beat by, you know, 29 or 27 points to Illinois. So, and then uh, Nebraska obviously has the talent, you know, has a lot of good talent there. And, and I know Wisconsin's had some bad losses, but anytime you get Hap down low, I mean, he is a beast. So I think you got to, you know, those teams right there are really bunched. And then I think it starts to drop, you know, I think Indiana, Ohio State are starting to show their true colors a little bit. 
as they're not great. They're okay, but they're not great. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the you got the bottom. In Indiana. They, I think they're just, they're young and, and they're kind of getting, you know, you shut down uh, Romeo Langford and, uh, you know, Jawan Morgan under, you know, underneath. That's it. I mean, I know when Michigan played them, they scored like, like 41 or their 60 some points. Like you shut those two guys down and you're going to beat them. So. Connor, because the Big Ten is so deep, there's a lot of talk about them potentially getting 10, maybe even 11 teams in the NCAA tournament. How many realistically do you see the Big Ten getting in? I mean, realistically, I think that they probably get eight or nine. Um, if if you're going to be optimistic, they might get 10. But I think they're not going to cannibalize themselves as much as the Big 12 is right now. But uh, yeah, exactly what Adam said. Beyond one and two, there's a lot of great teams who can beat each other up. And it's just going to be up to how, I mean, no one really knows how the, the committee is going to, to utilize the net in order to uh, build their brackets. But um, I think th- it's, it's just a really weird conference. I mean, there's been what, 10, 11 teams that have gone in and out of the top 25 between like 25 and 17 or something like that this entire <laughs> yeah. season. So I think the only ones for, that we know of for sure I think we know for sure that Michigan State, Michigan are going to be in, and I think we know for sure that teams like Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Penn State are not. Uh, but beyond that, I, I'm just going to throw my hands up. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Big Ten could realistically be disappointed if they if they don't get eight teams in. I think eight's kind of a good number for them. I could see them getting nine. I think ten's a bit of a stretch because eventually some of those teams three through 10 are, are going to one of them or two of them are going to lose enough to each other that it'll kind of knock them out of contention and onto the bubble um, where if they have uh, 12 or 13 losses, maybe 13. Um, in a, it is a weak bubble year, but that amount of losses may be something that the committee doesn't look um, kindly upon and then kind of, kind of knocks them off and the league may cannibalize itself in that regard, but I agree. They're still going to get, at least eight or nine teams in, and I think potentially be um, the conference that gets the most bids in uh, competing with the ACC there. Um, and Connor, I know we have some, speaking of, I know we have some blind resumes uh, that we're wanting to look at here and, and see kind of how some of those teams in that range may sack up against other teams that may be facing on the bubble. Yeah. So I'll just, uh, I'll read those out. I sent them over to you guys earlier. Um, so the first two teams that we're going to talk about, Team A and Team B. So Team A, their net ranking is 53rd. They have an 11 and six record. Their record against Quadrant One teams is four and three. Quadrant Two teams is one and one. Quadrant Three teams is one and zero. Oh, and Quadrant Four teams is five and two. And their strength of schedule is 72nd. They have the 72nd toughest schedule. Uh, team B, they're 65th in the NET. They're 14 and four. Three and two against quadrant one teams, two and two against quadrant two. They're a perfect four and oh against quadrant three and a perfect five and oh against quadrant four. And they have the 82nd uh, strength of schedule. So. so basically, team A is a higher net rating, a worse overall record, more quadrant one wins, and a better strength of schedule, but has those two glaring quadrant four losses. And team B, lower net, more wins, but a worse strength of schedule. Um, but none of those terrible losses. Right. Of those two, Adam, who would you, if you were on the committee, who would you put in? 
I, I mean, you know, obviously strength of schedule is huge, but with it being so close, I would, I would go with team B just because they don't have those two bad losses. Um, yeah. The quadrant one, they got one more, you know, team A has one more win um, in quadrant two, they have one more win also, but um, when you're looking at, you know, bad losses, I think when, when teams look that close to each other, I would have to go with team B, um, just because they're taking care of business and teams are supposed to be taking care of business against. All right. For the record, me and Adam do not know who these teams are. Uh, Connor compiled this list and sent them to <laughs> us. So we're going through and trying to figure out who we would put in. I would probably agree and put team B in, um, the strength schedule is really close. As you said, um, they only have one less quadrant one win. Uh, team A four and three, and Team B being three and two, uh, and uh, so the differentiating factor for me, like you said, is those two quadrant four losses that Team A has. So I would go with Team B in that scenario. All right. Um, so Team, the team you chose, or the team that you didn't choose, I should say. So Team A is Baylor, and Team yeah. B is Minnesota. So. Minnesota's right on that cusp. They haven't lost to anyone bad. They're a perfect nine and a go nine and zero against quadrant three, quadrant four teams, and they actually have a winning record against quadrant one and two teams. Uh, mm-hmm. But their their net rank rating is pretty pretty low um, compared to other teams that are on that bubble, and their strength of schedules, you know, not in the top seventy five. Baylor is going to be an interesting case for the committee, I think, um, because they were a team that started the year with a, with a ton of injuries and have since gotten healthy and picked up all those quadrant one wins. But early on in the year had some really, really bad losses when they didn't have the full roster. So I think that's going to be an interesting case for the committee to see what they what they decide to do with Baylor. And now let's move on to two more teams. All right. So this is going to be Team C and D. So Team C is 39th uh, in the net rankings. They're 12 and five. They have, they're two and three against quadrant one, two and one against quadrant two, two and one against quadrant three, and six and oh against quadrant four. And team, and they're 45th. They have the 45th strength of schedule. Team D is 43rd in the net rankings. They're 12 and seven overall, two and four against quadrant one, three and two against quadrant two, three and one against quadrant three. 4 and 0 against quadrant 4 and their 24th strength of schedule. So team C has better net and a better I guess record. They've played two less games but um team D lost both those games. Uh quadrant seem about the same. Team D has a much better strength of schedule though. Uh, Adam, what do you think? You know, I, I I would have to go in this case because their quadrant quadrant runs are all about the same. Um, I would have to go with Team D um, because you know I think the strength of schedule in that one is is a big um, separator between the two. So um, I think that's a classic case of a team having having a little bit worse record, but they're playing a better schedule, um, and that could that could be easily the reason why. But again, they they don't have any bad losses like you know we talked about the last two teams. Um, you know, and they're about the same. I mean, yeah, they have one more loss in quadrant one, but they've also played one more game also. So um, I would have to go with team D. Yeah, this is a, a real toss up for me. I'd want to see who the quadrant one wins were against for each team. Uh, but like you said, judging by the strength of schedule, it seems like team D um, would probably have some, some of those better wins um, and having five wins against quadrants one and two, as opposed to four for team C. Um, I'd probably have to go with Team D as well. 
All right. So uh, the team you didn't choose, so team C is Ohio State. And team D is Butler. <laughs> Lucas will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, Ohio State's really kind of falling apart lately. Um, because if we would have done this two weeks ago, I don't even think they would have been in this bubble conversation. I think they would have been, I think, clear cut in and people potentially talking about them was a five or six seed. Um, they've they've really fallen off the map of late. And um, I think this is kind of a, a wake-up call to Ohio State fans that maybe your resume is not as strong as you think it might be. Yeah, that's what I was – I was looking at when I was putting this together, I was kind of surprised with, you know, Ohio state's ranked relatively well in the net, but their resume just doesn't look as good as a lot of other teams that are right around that same ranking. Yeah. They're going to need to get some of those wins against the, uh, the Indiana's, the Purdue's, the Minnesota's, um, the Maryland's that, that middle tier, they're going to need to rack up a couple more of those wins. Um, or if they want to avoid being in this kind of uncomfortable position, if you will. They, they can't afford to have any more losses against Rutgers. Um, you know, yeah. I know that's not – obviously that's not a quadrant four loss, but that's about like a quadrant four loss. You can't lose the Rutgers. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a glaring, uh, a glaring problem on the resume that when it's not <laughs> blind and you know that one of those losses is Rutgers, it's going to really, really come back to bite them. Um, the Big Ten, though, I think as a whole is setting itself up pretty well for March. If we talked about getting eight, nine, ten teams in, um, Michigan, Michigan State probably cut above the rest. Adam, how do you think the Big Ten in general will would do in the tournament right now? I think um, Michigan and Michigan State are legitimate national title contenders right now, and and if they were to happen to be in opposite sides, they could very easily both be in the Final Four. Um, I think Maryland, you know, if they get the right matchup, they could be a second weekend team. Um, Wisconsin could too, cause they got half Nebraska. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what to think of them right now. Um, again, I think that comes down to matchups with them. I think legitimately, I would not be surprised if there was five teams in the sweet 16 out of the big 10, but it could very easily just be the two Michigan schools too. Um, yeah. So, Outside of the two Michigan schools, do you think anybody could potentially make a uh, a Final Four run similar to what maybe South Carolina did two years ago as a seven seed? No, I I just don't I don't think there's enough. I think there's too many weaknesses with the other teams. And American Maryland, you know, has looked good and they got good big men, but they they they're real streaky and they don't score enough. I don't think. And and I think the other teams just you know out, Wisconsin, if if they had better shooters around Hap or somebody else besides them, I think they could do it, but. Um, I just don't think so. I, I think Sweet 16 might be the ceiling for the, the other, you know, seven, eight teams, whoever might make it in. Yeah, I, I think it's become pretty clear the past month or so that Maryland probably has the most talent of that next group of teams mm-hmm. who would be the team that could make that run. But you're not going to see me put a Mark Turgeon team or a team that, <laughs> yeah, in, in the Final Four. I, I Turgeon, I, if anything, I could see Maryland being upset earlier just because of the fact that they have so much youth and the fact that I don't trust Turgeon in a close game um, yeah. more than anything else. Connor, what do you think? Do you think the Big Ten could have some more teams other than Michigan-Michigan State make a run, or do you think those are the two kind of kind of carrying the hopes there? Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that of the teams, 
in the Big Ten outside of Michigan, Michigan State that I would feel comfortable saying could make a run. It'd have to be probably Maryland, maybe Purdue and Nebraska, but I'm not putting money on any of those teams to to get past the Sweet 16. Yeah, I don't feel like you can trust any of them. Yeah. You know, like they could get they could get hot and win a couple games, and all of them I think have that capability, but uh, you can't trust any of them. So we'll, we'll close with this, Adam. Who do you think will end up winning the Big Ten this year when all is said and done? Oh, it's uh, it's it's going to be tough. I think Michigan and Michigan State. Um, you know, I think. It's going to come down to, you know, who wins the road games um, and if one of them can steal it. Um, I'm a little bit biased because I, I follow Michigan more, so I want to say Michigan. But if, if Michigan State does it, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. What would surprise me is if one of those teams doesn't win it. Um, I think, you know, one of those teams is going to come out on top. And I could very easily see one of them winning the, the regular season and the other winning the, uh, the, the, uh, the tournament championship. So, Whatever it is, I'm excited about those two games. I just wish they played earlier in the season than the last, you know, two weeks of the season. So, Connor, what do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Michigan State. I think that they probably started off the season a little bit rough, um, but they pulled it together. I think they have the, the experience to do it. Uh, I could see Michigan then entering the Big Ten tournament and and taking it, um, but I think right now. Michigan State seems like a team that's going to make fewer mistakes in in conference play that than Michigan is. Yeah, I would take Michigan State to win the regular season title for sure. Uh, I trust them to win those games at Wisconsin uh, that that Michigan lost. I trust them to win those games more than I do Michigan. I think they'll split their two games, uh, the Wolverines and Spartans. I think they'll split those two games. We may see Michigan State win the conference by by a game. The tournament. Um, Right now, I think we're going to see some team get hot and win and have a not be Michigan State or Michigan. It'll be one of those teams, three through ten, that I think will just get on a tear and win that. Um, but in terms of regular season, I, I agree I'm going Michigan State as well. Um, but one thing for sure, we know the Big Ten is going to be a lot of fun. Michigan, Michigan State will enjoy in late February, early March. Uh, the rest of the teams have provided a lot of uh, opportunities for banter uh, and argument, let's say. The past couple weeks, I'm sure they'll continue to do so. Um, for Adam and Connor, I'm Brian. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another Busting Brackets podcast.